we've been teaching on faith that moves mountains. And what is a mountain? Any problem. Any problem can be changed. Now, if mountains aren't moving and things aren't changing, we probably ought to ask the Lord why. In other words, is there an area where we could adjust? Because sometimes, you know, in our Christian life, we already know it. Nobody said amen to that. But there are a lot of Christians, when you talk to them, they already know it. I know that verse. Uh, I know that. They can quote it. I know that. And then you're like, no. And they're like, I know it. You know, recently I had uh, seen a uh, puzzle online, you know, with some different things like three clocks equal this, uh, three calculators equal this number. So you know by the end number what the calculator is. Right? And then there were like three light bulbs on the bottom, and it, and it was one light bulb plus another light bulb minus a light bulb equaled 15. So, of course, you know that if, if it ends with 15 and you minus 15, that means that the bulbs are worth 15. But they had five little lines on the top. In the final equation, they had four. So I rushed through the thing, and I had all the thing right, and I'm all, this is it. And the guy's all, nope. And I'm like wrong and I'm like no I'm, I'm right because I'm right he says, I'll probably look a little closer then I realized each calculator that came to three calculators came to 30 10 10 10 uh, and then I just figured okay that's the equation that equals this at the end and so I'd got the other ones and he's all still wrong and I'm like can't be he said, I'll look closer. Then I looked, and each calculator had a 1, 2, 3, 4, which equals 10. The one in the equation below said 1, 2, 2, 4. Oh. So I went back. I'm like, I, I knew this. Then he's all those clocks don't equal 7 apiece. Look at the time. 9, 9, instead of 21, I just went, oh, yeah, 3 times 7. I just looked right over it because I knew those clocks. Here's the answer. And he's like, you probably ought to look a little closer. And I'm like, whatever. I'm like, oh, 9 plus 9 is 18 plus 3 is 21. And then I had it so in my head that when I went to the final equation, I kept adding 7. He's like, it's not right. I'm like, it has to be. And I went, oh. But isn't it true sometimes we've read stuff so we already know it? In a lot of areas. But for sure, um, if we approach the Word of God, like I already know that, we could be looking over something that's so blatantly obvious, we didn't slow down to examine, and that's where we needed to make an adjustment. You know, in the Bible, there was a church that was having phenomenal things happen in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 8 chapter. You can go ahead and turn there. And... Um, 1 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. And they were having miracles, the power of God, but there were shortcomings there too. There were, there were miracles happening, but then there were other people not getting their miracle. Amazing, isn't it? There were miracles happening, but some people were not getting miracles, and, and the 
one God used to write this, he said, there are many weak and many sick among you. Even though there were people getting healed, there was a chunk of them that were not getting healed. So then we got to ask, why? No? But what if they approached the Word of God and they were approaching the things of God as though, I already know this. I've already read that. I can quote that verse. And sometimes we quote it, but we're really not always seeing it. Sometimes we are. Or there can be a little tweak. And so he wrote this group of people in 1 Corinthians 8 too. He said, and if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. So when we come to the place where we just know that, we might want to look a little closer and be open that a little tweak can go a long way. And some that seem so insignificant can be huge. You know, if God deals with you about something, it can be significant. You know, and I've said this before, but how insignificant is it to get your hair cut? Well, depends right now with the coronavirus, you know. That's different, but it's a significant thing. But you know what I mean? It's really insignificant whether you have long hair, short hair, whatever, you know. Somebody's like, oh, well, I need long hair. I need to... But you know what I mean? To get your hair cut, okay. I mean, whatever. But with Samson, totally mattered. Totally mattered with him. And, but, it did, but that wasn't true with everybody. You with me? And so sometimes small little changes that seem insignificant can be huge to an individual and can unstick a person more than they would even know. You with me? Because if God deals with you about something and, and let's say everybody else is doing it, but it, you know, because it's just it's a haircut. Now don't... I've, I've seen people over the years, I've met a couple of them that they said the Lord said to them, don't cut their hair. So they're guys with long hair down to here. Okay, but I was not seeing manifestations like Samson. Just a thought. Because he spoke it to Samson. But what he speaks to us many times is no big deal to anybody else. But we're talking about faith prevailing and faith bearing fruit, you know, and, and fruit means answers, prayers working, faith moving mountains. So when he dealt with people uh, or deals with people, we know that the heart has to be controlled in some elements by us, what gets in there. And he said, if you allow certain things in, it'll choke the word. And then it, you will become unfruitful. And here's the thing. But everybody else may be doing it. But if he deals with you too or not to, it actually plays out in uh, how fruit comes in your life. Everybody alive and well? Everybody okay? And so it's important to be open, to look. Do, do I know everything? Do, should I be teachable? Should I be reverent to what I hear? And when I hear a verse, and uh, 
should I be open to look at it and go, okay, that, I know that verse, I can quote it. You know, I've been there before where I've been in a meeting and you hear somebody there in the meeting when you say, turn to this verse, and they'll just quote it out loud so everybody knows they can quote it. Hallelujah. Now, I'll do it when I'm watching TV because I'll go, I want to know the verse. I'll go, okay, this. But in public, I'm not going to go, well, <laughs> uh, but the issue is, is why are we quoting it? If it's to let other people know, then we may need to just back up and go, I need a fresh look. Hallelujah. I need a fresh look at some of these same truths. You know, I remember hearing a story about a girl uh, uh, knew the person, that, uh, not the person who was hearing, but this one person had gotten some tapes and uh, kept listening uh, some, well, actually some messages from this minister, and she just listened. Her ankles were deformed. One was like a a club foot like a knob. There was no foot developed. And this person started reading or listening to these messages and kept listening week after week, month after month. One month passed, two months passed. But they knew there was something in there and they just weren't seeing it, so they stayed open. And they kept listening and listening, I don't believe it has to take this long, but sometimes some things need to be undone in our minds and in our thinking because we can gravitate toward things and like put lock things into place that could be uh, needing to be adjusted. Not always. But this girl listened and listened, and after six months she saw it. Same messages every single day. But she knew there was something in there. And in her own home, she was able to claim God's best and her crippled foot grew out like the other one. She had a nub. Just grew out. But what if she would have said, I've already heard this, I've already heard this, I've already heard it. She couldn't get it to work for her, but once she saw things and things got answered to her, boom, things changed. You with me? And so we've been talking about faith that moves mountains. We want mountains to move. If, if, I'm, uh, if God's dealing with me about things, then I need to adjust those areas. If I'm holding bitterness, I've got to get that out too. You, you with me? I've got to deal with some of those foundational things or it could hinder. Hallelujah. Because I don't know about you, I want the mountains to move. I don't want to just teach about mountains moving. I don't want to just teach about how to get answered prayer. I want answered prayer. And if he guaranteed that I could get answered prayer, and, and if I think it's all on him, that would be totally wrong. You say, why? Because if it was all on him, and some people are getting answered prayer, and some people are not getting answered prayer, then that means God would be showing favoritism to some. And the Bible says God shows favoritism to no man. 
And if he's answering your prayer uh, just because and not answering mine just because, because you know you throw it up and if he answers, fine. And if he doesn't, well, that was his will. Then, then that means he's showing favoritism. That means maybe he loves you more than he loves me. That may, but that can't be true because he loves all the world equally. And he loves all his children equally. Matter of fact, when it comes to his children, Jesus prayed that we would know that he loved us as he loved Jesus. So that doesn't mean like you guys over there, he didn't love you as much as he loved Jesus, but you guys right here, he does. That's why you get answered prayer more. No. But if we don't take a close look at it, and we push everything back on God, we could miss the mark. Now, is God involved in it? Yes. But God is never the problem. Because He is so toward mankind, and He's so toward the body of Christ and believers, that He wants things more than you want them. He wanted them so bad for you when Jesus died, He paid the price for all people's sins to be forgiven. You with me? That's why we miss it often when we pray, Lord, save so-and-so. Save so-and-so. Just save them. And we miss it. If he would answer out loud, he'd say, I've been trying. Why do you think I died? Why do you think I rose again? Why do you think I paid for this for them and everybody? Because <laughs> I want them saved. But the issue is, it's not about me. Because what I'm doing is approaching the thing wrong. I'm not approaching it in faith or according to knowledge. And so if I pray and double up on my prayers, I'm going to find out that's not going to work. Because just me praying, save this person, is not going to save them. God's not just going to go, okay, they're saved. Is that how it ever has worked? No. Never. It always happened that somebody had to know the truth, Right? Then they had to believe the truth, and then they had to receive the truth or the Lord. Right? And so, how would somebody know the truth or hear the truth? By somebody telling. So, what would we do? We'd do exactly what the Lord said pray that the Lord of the harvest would send a labor across somebody's path. Why? So they can go out there and pray, Lord, save them. No. So they can do what they did, share the Word of God. Why? Because then they have faith. They, their thinking gets straightened out. They, they learn that Jesus died. They leave, learn that Jesus rose from the dead. Now the Spirit of God will work on them, and the Spirit of God will convict them. But if we're not praying send labors, then we're totally missing the mark. Save them, Lord. Save them. And if you fast and pray about save them, save them, you're, you're missing the mark. Or if I've done that. Everybody okay? 
what, what we're saying is, and today, is we want answers. I, I want somebody saved. But I, you know, if I sit there and say, God, you know I want that person saved. I want them so saved so bad. You know what? Um, you probably got the wrong perspective. You say, well, why? Because don't make it like you want them saved more than God does. And some people just go, God, I want them saved. That's like saying, God, I want this answer for them. You know I want it more than anybody. No, not than anybody, not than him. He wants people saved more than you. And even the ones you think, they deserve this. No, he doesn't think like that. He thinks, I want them saved. Well, you know, they've been sowing, now they're going to reap. No, he doesn't think like that. He knows they'll reap, but he still wants to turn them so they don't. And if they start reaping, he wants to help them. And so if our thinking is not appropriate in some of these lines, we'll approach God and our prayers won't get answered. And then we'll say, well, maybe it wasn't God's will. But once you start praying and responding in line with God's will, then he's able to work. Do, do you as a parent uh, do stuff that's against your will? If your kids ask you to do something, you wouldn't do something that's against your will, but you'd be more than happy to do something that's in line with your will. Especially if you told them. So I tell people, if you're parenting, don't say stuff to your kid you're not going to back. Don't threaten them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what I mean? I'll tell you what, you do that again, you're going to get it. And then they don't. Well, they're going to think, well, I can do that again, and I'm never going to get it. You're just training them. You're just training them. What? That consequences don't happen. Don't say it. Well, hallelujah. But God's not going to tell us something, and he's just flat a liar. So if he says certain things affect how things develop in your life so that faith will work or not work, we got to pay attention to that. There's much you could say. If I want to become tender to God, I need to start responding to his dealings. No matter how comfortable they are. Why? Otherwise, I'm hardening my will to God when I go, mm -mm, not now. I'll do that later. I'm hardening my will to him. Because it's a real dealing. But, I, but here's the thing. I need to receive his word. I need to be open. And humble myself. That means lower myself and go, okay, whatever you're saying, whatever you're dealing with me about, why is that? Because his word is his word. And if he ever gives you his word, he will not say anything else about it. That's why we've got to be respectful of his word. Many times people are trying to get results the wrong way. 
Why aren't you doing this for me, God? And he said, it's yours. But what happens, we're really not agreeing with his word. Because you could say it like this. If he says something and says, I love you, what else can he say about that? And people struggle with the fact that, does he really love me? What else can God say? I love you. Yeah, but no. What else can he say? I love you. What else is he going to say? But then that truth carries all over the place. That's why our attitude toward the Word and not thinking I know everything is huge. Everybody alive and well? Why? Because when I look and go, okay, he said I love you, then I don't go by my feelings. I don't go by my emotions. I don't go by my past experience. I don't go by any of that stuff. I'm not, I mean, what else is he going to do? Now, I know people have prayed and things have happened, show me a sign, but I don't believe that's the best or the highest way. And it doesn't always work like that. You with me? And so if he just says, I love you, or if he says, I've delivered you from sin, then guess what? What else is he going to say? Well, I'll work to deliver you. No, he's going to say, I delivered you. You're dead to sin. You are because you've given your life to me. I live in you and I won't leave you. Lord, just show me that you live in me. He said it in his word. What else is he going to say? If he said, I'm for you and not against you, well, God, will you just give me some kind of confirmation? I mean, hey, wouldn't it be nice to have an angel come every time you read something and went, oh, are you sure about that, Lord? And an angel appeared and went, yeah, that's so. That's, that's so. And you're like, thanks. I was, I was really needing something right there. And then, then you leave, the angel leaves, and you're like, cool. He really does love me, or he's really for me, or he really does supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Anything has already been paid for. Man, I'm glad that angel appeared. Man, what about some of us who haven't seen an angel? No matter if you've seen Jesus, or you've seen an angel, or you've seen heaven, or you've seen anything like that, it matters not. That's not how you get faith. Well, that went over real well. That's not how you get faith. But many times people say, um, uh, yeah, but um, turn to Luke 16. Some people say, yeah, but, but I, that's, that's what I uh, want. I need that. That's not, that's not how you get faith. You don't get faith but through the Word. And that's why we have to be humble and learn to live humble before the Lord. What does that mean to live humble? Not to think of yourself as a dirt bag, but to exalt the Lord and lower yourself. And it can be, I'm not always right. Whatever you say, God, that's the program.
You with me? Your way is the program, not my old clanky way of thinking. Because you know, so many times, we've got everything in order. You know what I mean by that? We've designed our thinking over the years. We put this here, that here, that here. And then all of a sudden, the Lord comes in and goes, here's what my Word says. And you're like, you're messing up my shelves. I want a vision. Luke 16, verse 19, there was a certain rich man. This is not a parable. This is not a fable. This is not an illustration. This is an actual event that whether Jesus saw it or not, he told us, because you know, I've shared this with some people and they'll say, well, that's just a parable. No, it's not. Because he'll tell you, now learn the parable. This was a certain rich man. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen. That means he was wearing the best suit. The best clothes. And fine linen and he fared sumptuously every day. He was living the high life, whatever. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate desiring to be fed with the crumbs. Not with the sumptuous stuff. Just the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked the sores. I wonder if the dogs got the crumbs and not the man. If he didn't think right. He wasn't thinking right about other people. Now, this doesn't mean we go feed everybody. And we'll just leave that at that, okay? Don't freak out. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Now, Abraham's bosom existed before Jesus went to heaven. The way to get to heaven was not made until Jesus presented his blood. Remember when he rose from the dead? And some of the disciples came and he said, handle me not. Why? Because I have not ascended to my Father and to your Father and to my God and your God. The very next time after he had assembled, what did he, or that after he had ascended, what did he say? Handle me. What was the difference? Well, if you look at the Old Testament high priest, what were they supposed to do? Uh, give blood that was untainted. And it was a picture of heaven. So Jesus was the lamb slain. He was born of a virgin. His blood was not contaminated by a man. Totally different than any other human. He was deity in humanity. We are not. We procreate. He was completely different. That's why he's called Emmanuel or Elohim with us or God with us. He's God with us. But he didn't function as God. We know it says he emptied himself. So he had to give precious blood. That's why the disciples or the early writers called it precious blood. To pay for humanity. So once he ascended into heaven, he made the way. 
Then, after that point, all through the New Testament, you see terms like, to be absent from the body for a Christian is to be present with the Lord. Your body goes in the ground, your spirit goes to be with the Lord. Before your body went in the ground, and you went to Abraham's bosom. That's why it said when he descended uh, into the lower parts of the earth in Ephesians and some other places, it says he, ascent, he descended and he led the captives, the ones that were in Abraham's bosom, out. Now understand this. Then it said they wandered the earth until the time he ascended, gave his blood, read the Bible, and then when he presented his blood, no longer is there an Abraham's bosom or holding place. I don't have time to go over all the scriptures, but they are the, they're there, and if you need them, we could talk. Not right now. So he went there because nobody was born again until Jesus died and rose again because you couldn't confess that he believed in your heart that he died and that he rose again and then confess him as your Lord because he hadn't died and rose again. So now you can go to heaven. So this story, true story, was pre-Jesus dying and rising from the dead. Everybody okay? Verse 20, But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at the gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs uh, came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom, that holding place. Now it wasn't torment, but it was down in the bowels of the earth. The rich man also died and was buried. And notice angels didn't carry him. Now we do know from Isaiah, demons meet those people. It says hell from beneath is moved. It stirs up the dead to meet you at your coming. Lost people. So when saved people die... Angels are there to take them on up. When a lost person dies, when they descend, there is demons to enforce their place for eternity to usher them in. And so here it says, and being in torments, he was buried, he lifted up his head, and being in torments uh, in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, in this holding place. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in torments in the flame. This flame. Yeah, there's flames. Jesus talked about it. This isn't the only time. Abraham said, son, remember. So that means people are going to remember things in hell and in heaven. Remember that in your lifetime, so he knows why he's guilty. He knows why he's... Because we're going to know this. Remember in your lifetime, you gave your life to Jesus. The lost person will know in their lifetime, I did not. And they will remember. 
But they've got to be presented too. God wants us to present Jesus. He'll have mercy on whoever calls on His name. And it says, Then he cried, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf, a big valley or something, fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, in other words, to bring relief, nor can those from there pass to us to get out of there. It's eternal. That's it. There is no change for people after they die. The Bible's clear on that. That's why it says there's no other name given among men under heaven in the earth. On the earth. In the book of Revelation, where, I mean book of Acts, where men, where do they get saved? On the earth. And there's only one name. Not works. One name. Just one name. And if you don't know that name, Come back next week. No, Jesus. And he said, there's this gulf fix and nobody can pass from one way to the other. Verse 27, then he said, I beg you therefore, Father. He didn't disagree. He knew people there know it's all the foolishness and falseness here that brings people to an eternal bondage because we think, well, they can deal with that later. That's not what the Bible teaches. Why would Jesus say broad is the path that leads to destruction? Narrow is the path that leads to eternal life. Many go that way and few go this way if everything can change when you're on the other side. Because if we could vote about it after we were over there or do something about it when we were over there, wouldn't we all vote, I'm done with hell. Yeah, enough of this tormenting day and night. That's why I said some of the greatest relief or the greatest time of relief for people that have been there for years will be standing in before the judgment. Because it will be enforced for eternity, but rewards and different things will be handed out and they'll get to stand there outside of torment and then they go, hell and Hades is thrown into the lake of fire. And anybody whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. Notice this. Then he said, verse 27, I beg you therefore. He didn't say, oh yeah, well it'll be in a little while, I'll get over there. No, he knew he couldn't. So he, no matter how much you love or hate somebody on the earth, when you're on the other side, and that's why we should learn to walk in God's love, and not be selfish. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you... If he called him Father, I wonder if he was a Jew. Just let that sink down in. He said, then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him, Lazarus, to my father's house. 
In other words, if you can't get them to come here, get them to go back and talk to my family. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about faith that produces results and acting on our faith and reaping results. Notice this. For I have five brothers that he, Lazarus, may testify to them lest they also come to this place of torment. He knew that the state of his brothers were like him. You think he would have died if he really believed he was going to go to this place? You think he would have wanted to die and stay the same and not change? No way if he really knew what was on the other side. He wouldn't have waited till he got to the other side and said, hey. But obviously he knew his brothers were in the same condition he was. So he said, send somebody to them. But notice what Abraham said in verse 20, 29. And we're talking about faith. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear him. That, in other words, they have the scriptures. You know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, you know, they have the scriptures. Let them hear the word, we would say. He said, and, and, and he said, verse 30, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, remember a vision, an angel, Something, we all want that for faith. He said, no, if one came from the dead, they will not repent just because they see somebody from the dead. It always has to be because it's in line with the Word ultimately. Because the Bible said He's exalted His Word above His name. And the Bible said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. You have to humble yourself in line with the word. And that's what he was saying. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Verse 31, but he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, in other words, the Holy Scripture, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you have an angel or a vision and all this stuff. You need to accept the Word. Now Romans 10, 17, why would we want to receive the Word? Why was Jesus' ministry? Many times people think, what did the ministry of Jesus uh, comprise? What was it comprised of? Well, he tells us the first thing, it was preaching and teaching. Third, healing. Doing the works of Jesus, one of them is sharing the Word correctly. Why? Because what hindered people from getting miracles when Jesus was on the earth? Well, Jesus said He tried, but He couldn't in Mark 6 and in Matthew get a miracle for the people because they, they were full of unbelief. So you know what he did? It said he went and taught. Why? He knew that if people would accept God's word, faith would come. And faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So, but you can't just accept the word of God like, yeah, yeah, like it's Reader's Digest, and it's on the same, you know, level as the little red caboose. 
you know, or whoever's out there, Timmy the Tugboat, you know, what's that? I just made it up. Whatever kid program, whatever adult thing out there, they're not on the same plane level. There is no other book on the same plane level. And when people downgrade the written Word of God, then they downgrade God's power to preserve it. Then all humanity is doomed. Romans 10 verse 17 says this, So then faith comes... Now, what does it mean faith comes? If we're supposed to have faith, what is it that comes? What is faith? It's an absolute confident persuasion. In other words, you're not going to hear or need to hear anything else. Period. If God said, I'm for you, faith came when you heard. What does that mean? You got God's viewpoint on the subject when you heard. Period. And you're not going to get another something else about it to prove to you. No. God said, I love you. I'm for you. You call on me. You're saved. If I said, I'll strengthen you, I will strengthen you. If I say I'm the strength of your life, you don't need another word. I am the strength of your life. Right? And because if we're looking for other things, then what are we looking for? An angel? No. That's why we accept face value the Word because what are we talking about? Getting answers. How many people have been distracted, and I believe we'll close right here, uh, Matthew 14. Maybe we won't. Maybe we won't go there. How many people have been distracted when they heard the Word and then they didn't act on it? They said, yeah, that was good. But I mean just boldly act. Keep your mind on the Lord. Don't look on the contrary circumstances. No, this is what He said. And God has joined Himself to His Word. So many people want to join themselves to God and get certain results without joining themselves to the Word. You can't do it. Jeremiah 1.12 says, You have observed well. There was a divine response there. He said, For I will watch over my Word to perform it. So if I want something performed in my life, I've got to hold to the Word of God. I've got to esteem the written Word of God. And if God said He forgive me, He forgave me, then i got to believe I'm forgiven. Then who am I to not forgive myself? Who am I? Yeah, but I know better. That's pride. Of course, we all have known better. But for me not to esteem His Word above, yeah, but I failed is an element of pride. Yeah, but I knew better. Yeah, we all do. So what do we do? We humble ourselves and go, you said I'm forgiven, I'm clean. And if you said you supply all my needs, yeah, but look at all the storms going on. and look at all. No. He will, he, he will perform His Word. You know, a lot of people cry out to the Lord and think, if I just cry enough, He's going to hear me and answer me. That's a wrong approach too. As a matter of fact, if you go read the Bible, do you know that there were certain people, some blind men, a couple blind people came to the Lord? Somebody said, I know that. Blind people got healed too. But do you know some blind people came to the Lord one day and they said they cried out to the Lord. They cried. 
They cried. They cried. Because crying is the best way to get God's attention. Because He's going to answer me real quick when I get to crying because now He knows I've really got a problem. And, and of course you're going to move God. He's going to change because oh, I feel sorry for them. Do you know the Bible said Jesus ignored the person who cried and kept going? And they're blind. Oh, that... Oh, Jesus did that? Yeah, WWJD. What would Jesus do? Just flat ignored him. And he cried out. And he went into the house. Walked down the road with his disciples. Gets into the house. And the blind people followed him. He didn't stop and go, oh. How many people are at home crying? Lord. I'm not trying to make fun or light of that. I mean, probably everybody's done it at some time, but that's not how you're going to get an answer. So when they finally came in and weren't crying anymore, what did Jesus say to them? He said, do you believe I'm able to do this? What do you want me to do? Do you believe I'm able? He asked them, where's your confidence? Where's your faith? And then he said, well, be it unto you according to your faith. Well, where do you get faith? Well, when they were crying out, you know, Son of David, have mercy on us, we know that one of the mercies of God is healing. But what am I getting at? The right approach is important. And it's approaching God according to what He said. And be careful about getting distracted at looking at everything, because He said, you have observed well, remember Jeremiah 1.12, for I will hasten or quickly move to make my word good. God has joined himself to his word, so we need to join ourselves. Why? Because faith comes when you hear. But what kind of word are you hearing? Are you humbly accepting it? And then acting on it? Because we're really talking about releasing our faith. But how can you release faith if you don't even humbly accept what he said? Don't take this wrong, but are you willing to fight for it? You say, what do you mean? When somebody said, oh, I don't know. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I don't want you to fight with somebody else. No, the scripture's true. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, but inside, you fight. Nuh-uh. Flat out. You don't have to say anything outward, but bless God, this word's true. Now, I don't care what the circumstances are. I don't care who rises up and says, well, just Jesus will save everybody someday. No, I'm going to stick with the written word. I don't have to argue with the people, but I'm going to hold to it. I'm going to fight. Like the Bible said, fight the good fight of faith. That's not arguing with somebody per se, but that's just me holding my ground on the written word of God because I esteem the word. And if I do that, it gives me a foundation and it gives God something to work with and I want things manifest. So that means one way to do it is to humbly accept the Word of God. Don't think I know everything. And then, and the more you grow, you know, the more you'll recognize you don't know everything. But at the same time, you'll start to think, well, maybe I do know a couple things. And you got to be careful. Because you got to stay humble. Hallelujah. And then when you do, you act on that Word, it will work. Why? Because God will get involved. God will get involved. When you agree with Him like He agrees with His Word, your strength, your 
life, your vitality in him will change. Why? Because he's so confident when he said stuff. He said, I paid for that. I paid for that. I paid for that. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. When you start agreeing, then faith in your heart will make hope, things of hope, materialize. You'll start going, yeah, I talk just like God. He said, that's mine. That's mine. He said, that's mine. That's mine. Oh, God, give me this. I'm not talking like God. I'm not even agreeing with what he said. Everybody alive? Praise the Lord, we better quit. But there is something to be said about how we hear the Word. Because if we want faith that moves mountains, it's not a hard thing. It's just really accepting the Word based on the value God gives it. But how many men in the earth have said, oh, that's an irrelevant book. That's this whatever. And if you agree things will slip. But if you want strong faith, humbly accept God's Word. Act in line with it, and it will produce. Because God will get His hands in it. Because His hands are in His Word. He will not let His Word fail. And that doesn't have to do with how good you are, how bad you are, how perfect you are, how imperfect you are. How pretty you are. Any of that. I was going to say how ugly doesn't matter. Tall or short, doesn't matter. He just watches over his word. Now, he cares about humanity, but his value is in the word. Go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see how many times Jesus quoted Isaiah, Psalms, and on and on, the Old Testament when he preached. Where did they find him when he was a teenager? Disputing the scriptures. Not because he was arguing, but the people at that age were blown away by the wisdom that he already had out of the Word. 